You're listening to Life and Health Matters with Dr. Shakib, and this is your host, Momak Shakib. Let's talk about arteries and the clogging of the arteries, which unfortunately, for some odd reason, I'm coming across quite often, um, either with my family, friends, or patients. So this is becoming quite a bit of an issue, and it is not a problem for older people, for sure. So the question is, why are we having so many cases of it? Is it um, diet? Is it deficiency in certain things? And that's what this podcast is all about. So if you have any questions, comments, or suggestions, please forward them to me via email, drspodcastshow at gmail.com. And don't forget to subscribe and rate the podcast. So with no further ado, here is the actual episode on arterial clogging and the nutrition that we're lacking. So here we go. All right, so let's talk about the clogging of the arteries. And I want you to know that this is fixable. So don't freak out and think that, all right, well, I guess uh, my life is going to end just around the corner. I want you to know that 80% of chronic diseases, including atherosclerosis, heart attacks, and strokes, diabetes, and obesity are preventable. Traditional medicine is procedures, testing, and prescribing drugs, making diagnosis instead of taking care of the problem. So basically, may not have a disease, but you're not healthy and well. So that's the problem. So the disease definition is uh, what we're after, but what we should be after is, okay, what do I need to do about it? We're very good at making diagnoses, labeling people, and prescribe medication if it's bad enough. If it's not bad enough, the, the guiding is extremely poor. So then the question is, what vitamin is low that leads to this? And the answer is vitamin K2, which is almost as important as vitamin D. We all know about vitamin D and how deficient our society, to say the least, is. Back in the days, probably 15 years ago, when I would send patients to get their vitamin D level assessed, Almost every time, I have to say every time at the beginning, I would get a call and they would say, what is this thing that you're ordering? They wouldn't even recognize 25-hydroxy, which is what I would mark. And then um, they would have to send the blood to some lab in Los Angeles, given that I'm in Orange County, and um, it would take two weeks. Now... Everyone is aware of it. That's because we're that deficient. And uh, so vitamin K2 is almost as bad. So there are two two kinds of vitamin K, vitamins K1 and K2. They're part of a family, but they're very different in their activity and function. K1 is found in green leafy vegetables. It is fat-soluble, which helps in production of coagulation factors. So what makes your blood stop bleeding, your cells, your body stop bleeding, in other words, stops coagulation 
factor, uh, I mean, um, facilitates the coagulation factors is vitamin K1. That's why when someone's on a blood thinner like warfarin, they need to be careful not to take too much vitamin K1. So that's K1. Then K2 involves two enzymes. One is called MGP, which stands for matrix glutamic acid protein. And now glutamic acid is brought into the cell in the wall of arteries, and then it binds to calcium and removes calcium from the blood vessel lining. Vitamin K2 then helps integrate calcium into your bone matrix. So grabs the calcium from your blood wall, uh, from your uh, blood vessels through the lining of the arteries, grabs them, and then takes them to the bone matrix. The other one, the other enzyme for K2 is called osteocalcin, which helps cement the calcium in place. So K2, without it, the transfer of calcium from your arteries to your bone cannot occur, which raises your risk of arterial calcification. There is a Dr. Goodman who is freaking amazing expert in cardiology and someone who's worked with pioneers in cardiac disease and transplant surgery. So this guy knows his stuff. He says there is so much information showing the relationship between osteoporosis, which is not having enough calcium in your bones, and having an increased incidence of heart disease. Obviously, we're talking about vitamin K here. What's actually happening, I think, he says, a lot of uh, patients are vitamin K2 deficient. So now I tell all patients, especially when they have risk factors for calcification, you've got to take vitamin K2 when you take your vitamin D and your calcium and magnesium because we need to make sure that the calcium is going where it's supposed to be. So there is some misinformation about calcium because people think, especially uh, women as they um, get older and they're more like almost menopausal, they think uh, they need to take calcium uh, to prevent their osteoporosis, which is far from the truth. The issue here is your body needs to recognize where to get its calcium from. It's not deficient per se. And if you don't give it the tools necessary to recognize the calcium and put it in the right place, calcium ends up being in your kidneys. So it causes some kidney issues. Things don't happen in the world. I mean, in nature, we were not initially taking vitamins. We're not talking about 10, 15, 20 years ago. We're talking about generations. I mean, like 100 years ago, because our soil had the nutrients, our plants provided nutrients, our foods were produced by nature instead of a flavoring company adding their flavors to the garbage that they genetically modified, produced, and then they basically make it make the crap taste amazing and then feed it to you. And then that's how you end up with a deficiency. 
So here's a catch in this in this society when someone has atherosclerosis and their um, um, cholesterol is high and they're saying, okay, well, your cholesterol is high, this is going to happen. Number one, cholesterol, 65% of your cholesterol is made by your own body. So it is not something that um, if you have an increase in it, it's not because of your diet as much as it's a signal for inflammation. That's why when we order blood workup, we also order C-reactive protein or CRP. C-reactive protein is not for cholesterol, it's for inflammation. So we need to get our facts straight. There is so much misinformation. <clears throat> the medical approach to the, the issue that has to do with high C-reactive protein high calcium, is they prescribe statin because they're trying to deal with this arterial calcification. Statins may increase arterial calcification by depleting vitamin K2. So it's like, wait a minute, you're giving me statin, but it's taking away the very thing my body needs to prevent calcification. It's absolutely counter, counterproductive. According to the Journal of American College of Cardiology, statin drugs may increase calcification into arteries, and according to expert view of clinical pharmacology, statins deplete vitamin K2. This is an important observation considering one in four adults in the U.S. over the age of 40, this is not even old, is on a statin drug. Not only do all of these people need to take coenzyme CoQ10, I'm sorry, coenzyme Q10, which is CoQ10, that's what it stands for, which is also depleted by the drug, it's quite likely they also need vitamin K2 to avoid cardiovascular harm. So just for the record, statin, just like the uh, red yeast rice, which is not a drug, they both take and consume a lot of CoQ10. CoQ10 is produced by your own body. So statin or red yeast rice, if you don't want to go through the route of medication, they both need to be taken with CoQ10. Are we told that? Hell no. When they're given statin, they're like, okay, here it is. It's almost like... <sighs> What is needed for the patient is not considered. It's what drug needs to be given, and good luck. That seems to be the approach. So the question is, what are the sources of vitamin K2? K2 is produced by certain bacteria. So the primary food, for, food source of vitamin K2 is fermented food like natto. I've talked about natto. You can, it's a Japanese food. Uh, it's a, it's fermented soy. It looks like nothing you've ever had. It tastes like nothing you've ever had. It looks extremely, um, how would I put it? It repels you from eating it if you don't know how to eat it. I happen to have tried it. I swear, I, I mean, I just knew it was good for me. So I took it, I held my breath and I consumed this thing and it was like a torture session. Then I learned how Japanese actually eat it, and it tasted good. In fact, I went for a second serving, and usually you can use a little pack, a little mustard with it. There's a package of mustard typically that comes with it. 
They have natto already in small packages, typically with mustard in the package. You mix that with rice and not, we're not talking about, we're talking about small cup of rice. You mix it and then you consume it. It actually does not taste bad and the mustard takes away the unusual smell. So that's, that's the, in my opinion, and from what I'm reading, it's probably the best fermented uh, uh, food you can get. There are bacteria there. It's, it not only helps you with K2, it also is an amazing source of probiotic. All pickled stuff, as long as they're pickled right and they're nice, clean food. So if you don't trust it, which I pretty much suggest you don't trust what's out there, learn how to ferment food. It is not as difficult as you think. Know that not every strain of bacteria makes K2, so not all fermented foods will contain K2. For instance, most yogurts have almost no vitamin K2. Certain types of cheeses like Gouda, Brie, and uh, they have high amounts of K2, and it's quite difficult to get enough K2 from your diet, especially if you do not eat K2-rich fermented foods. So taking a supplement may be a wise move for most people. So how can you tell if you're deficient in K2? Unfortunately, unlike vitamin D, there is no easy way to screen or test for vitamin K2 sufficiency. So as a general rule, if you have osteoporosis, heart disease, diabetes, you are deficient in vitamin K2. If you do not have any of them, but don't eat certain fermented foods like natto or vegetables fermented using a started culture of vitamin K2 producing bacteria, like certain, like I said, cheeses like brie and gouda, which are super high in K2 and about 75 microgram per ounce and grass-fed organic products like egg yolks, butter, dairy from pasture, not free-range, pasture-raised animals, then more than likely you're deficient. I suggest let's just go take it. Now, there are different kinds of K2. There are two primary ones, and the only ones available in supplement form are MK4. They're called MK4 and MK7. But MK4 has a very short biological half-life, about an hour. So it's really not a good supplement. So different kinds, M4 and M7, you want to get MK7. MK7 stays in your body longer. Its half-life is three days. And just in general, it's a better type of supplement. Research has shown that MK7 helps prevent inflammation by stopping the monocytes, which are the pro-inflammatory markers produced by white blood cells. So there are different kinds of um, uh, white blood cells. One of them is monocytes. Monocytes actually create inflammation and MK7 prevents them. So well, you may ask, well, why do we, why does the body even have uh, white blood cells that are supposed to, um, to defend you 
that's what the job of white blood cells is. But then they all, they cause, they are designed to cause inflammation. And the answer is yes, there it's huge because every time you have inflammation, that's a signal to your brain. Hey, send more blood and with the blood and hopefully you're eating right goes a lot of vitamins cofactors coenzymes what it takes to heal the tissue it takes oxygen with it so it takes all it's almost like grabbing the first aid kit and running to the site of problem to fix it so it takes all the goodies to that area and that's part of the function of immune system we are constantly running away from inflammation because we th- and with inflammation causes pain, comes pain. So we are taking away that intelligence behind that inflammation, whereas what we need to look at is in a normal, healthy body, the signal goes there, inflammation takes place, And there is a natural process, natural, healthy, timely process Then that the healing help um, takes place. And believe it or not, that LDL, which we call um, bad cholesterol, its job is to clean up the mess. So it's really not bad. It's really a good thing that we have LDL and HDL. We don't want to take this um, podcast into that, but uh, turn it into a cholesterol thing. But you got to understand that inflammation is part of healing. And so MK7, and most people, the time, I mean, we're just so out of whack. And there is no uh, healthy way to, uh, for the body. I mean, most people are not healthy enough. They don't, their body doesn't have enough um, ammunition to fight things so it's not that they're not healthy their their diet their environment there's so many factors that um, impact your immunity mk7 is extracted from natto and because it's longer lasting you only need to take it once a day recommendation is 180 micrograms per day making sure the k2 is in the form of KMK7. If you're not eating natto, all you need is about one teaspoon. I'm sorry, if you're eating natto, all you need to take is about one teaspoon. The package I was telling you about should last you probably a whole week. And they have them in Japanese uh, stores. Um, In my culture, we eat a lot of fermented food. I know in Japanese culture, they eat a lot of fermented food. That's on a daily basis. Um, The issue we have is a trust issue is soy in this country is uh, primarily all genetically modified. And the ones that are not genetically modified, I mean, most of the soy farms, in fact, we export soy to China and Japan. I mean, it comes from there, but we mass produce it here and we genetically modify the heck out of it for the mass production. So the farms that are genetically modified are the few that are not are next to the ones that more than likely are. So the cross-pollination is an issue. I don't know what to suggest at this juncture. You know, if you really think about it, unless you're producing your own food, you can't trust it. That's what it boils down to. And it's not practical. So I say 
do your very best. Um, it, it is very um, discouraging, I understand, but, you know, um, what other choice do we have? Um, um, so then the question is magnesium recommendations. So we talked about vitamin D, K2, magnesium, and calcium. I've done a whole show on magnesium. I did another show on manganese, which I absolutely recommend you listen to that episode as well. Manganese, no one talks about it, but it's um, like vitamin K was 15 years ago. It's just a matter of no one's talking about it because our soil is depleted. There are at least 350 enzyme systems in the body that require magnesium for proper function. Calcium, vitamin D, K2, and magnesium all work together synergistically. That means in a peaceful, compassion, um, 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 what's the word? Uh, they basically, um, they have the same goal. I can't think of the word. Wow. If you can find a supplement that contains vitamin D, magnesium, and K2 in combination, that might be ideal, and then add calcium according to your individual needs. I disagree with this. And the reason I do is because people are deficient at different levels. So I take vitamin D every single day. I know I'm not deficient. So if I take... Uh, um, the combination of vitamin D, magnesium, K2, and then add my calcium to it, it may work for me, assuming my magnesium and vitamin K2 level are, um, at, um, you know, on a fairly decent level. But then there, I see in my own practice, there are so many people who are vitamin D deficient, and I know they're magnesium deficient. So for them, just uh, the same supplement that I take is not going to cut it. So I'm not a big fan of um, multivitamins, and this would be multivitamin, not labeled multivitamin, but it is multiple vitamins in one package. I'm not a big fan of it because I think that it should be customized to your level. So if your level of vitamin D is in the teens, well, you are deficient, dangerously deficient. You can't take a supplement with vitamin D, magnesium, K, and then add calcium to it and think you're all covered. You need to up your vitamin D by quite a few thousand IUs a day just to catch up. So I don't know how I feel about it. I'm not a big fan. I don't advise you to do it. One way to get your calcium from, uh, from your diet that doesn't cost you a fortune is to pulverize eggshells that are organic. So I've done a whole show on eggs. I advise you to search under the library of, um, if you've um, uh, subscribed to my podcast, um, I, I know you can have access to it. I don't know how it works if you don't subscribe. Probably you could have access to it. Uh, by the way, all of these are on my website. I'll put uh, the website in the show notes. Uh, you can access it. And then um, I have the po podcast. Every single podcast is on my website. And you can just sift through, just go through and see which ones you want to listen to. But I did a whole show on eggs. 
and the scams, you know, cage-free, free-range, all of this is just BS galore. Uh, they just label things. They just add color to things like nice green, grass green, makes people think it's organic. Um, I mean, this is all PR work, which is a beautiful science, but don't get sucked into the crap they're trying to feed you. Look for the quality. Cage-free doesn't mean anything. That just means garbage. That means we're trying to play with words. So where is a good source of... Uh, um, eggs, I would suggest um, go to your uh, local tax stores. Yes, that's where they feed, um, they attack and feed stores for animals. A lot of times people who have eggs, they have chickens that are free-ranging, truly free-ranging, and, um, eat, uh, uh, you know, eating quality food. They bring their eggs there. Farmer's market is another great source. Um, just to let you know, with eggs, um, and they probably wash it. I don't wash the eggs that I have. I have chickens, and um, they can last up to two weeks on a kitchen counter at room temperature. So I don't wash them. I have seen unwashed eggs um, at farmer's markets. So those would be ideal. That just means that this is legit more than likely. And again, I say more than likely because people lie too. Um, so, you know, they could be keeping the chickens in a cage and in their backyard and then bring it and feed them garbage and selling eggs. I doubt it uh, with farmer's market, but that's always an option. I honestly don't trust anyone when it comes to these things. It's just nonsense what people do to make a couple of extra dollars. It's just ridiculous. So you can, and for the source of calcium, what you want to do is you want to get those eggshells. Obviously, you wash them. Then you um, put them in the grinder, and you finely grind, and you pulverize it, and then you mix it with your smoothie or whatever. That's a great source of calcium. This is not how I consume calcium, but... Um, just because I don't want to go through the process. <clears throat> but I, my sources of calcium, uh, natural calcium is, uh, I, is reliable. It's my own source. Um, and that's definitely something I feed back to my animals. Um, I just don't need to pulverize it. So <laughs> one less thing for me to do. Um, make sure that once again, the eggs are organically raised on pasture. The only people you really need to be concerned about taking too much magnesium are the ones with kidney failure. So magnesium can come in different forms like magnesium um, threonate, glycinate, citrate, and dimalate. I did a whole show on magnesium, and so you have a magnesium mallet, you have magnesium threonate, um, uh, the difference is threonate is more for uh, memory, so magnesium is needed, there are different, um, um, I guess, goals with it, uh, unfortunately, I wish we didn't have to even worry about these things because our foods 
were great. If you decide you want to do something about your diet and really want to mass produce for your family vegetables, I did a um, show on uh, my podcast where I interviewed, um, um, I forget the gentleman's name, I think his name was John. Uh, I'll make sure that I'll put down the episode number or the title in the um, show notes. I need to do a little research there. But um, it's, it's um, definitely a very successful, very well-reviewed um, uh, system of mass-producing your own vegetables. Just read the ch- uh, show notes to learn what episode it was so you can listen to it. At any rate, we have reached uh, the end of this short podcast. I hope you enjoyed it. Listen, the purpose of this podcast is not to freak you out. It's to bring the importance of what we're lacking that no one talks about or hardly anyone talks about. So you can do something about it now. That's all. So don't freak out. Stay calm and Chip away the problem until you get to the solution. In general, try to stay focusing on how nature presents things. Stay as close uh, to that natural presentation of the food source as possible. So when we overcook, when we fry, when we add flavoring, all of those take away from where how nature initially presented it try to stay clean with your food be close to the sources do your investigation do find out where your local natural resources of food are and support them by purchasing from them that's my recommendation once again thanks for listening if you have any questions, comments, or suggestions, send me an email, drspodcastshow at gmail.com. And until next time, have fun. <laughs>